It's November 29th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, uh, which is both Canadian and American, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis status, or sorry, I'm going to say, I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down the red road. <clears throat> Oki, I'm Mekochis Chestakom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. And I say it in Blackfoot because I honor the lands that I'm on. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. Uh, my s- spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, given to me in ceremony. My name is Michelle Robinson. I was born here in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and, and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Uh, my Patreon account, you can pledge and support at Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Amanda, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Dustin, Jody, Julie, Julie, uh, Joni, Judy, and Julie, Kenna, Matt, Nathan, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I would love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions and know that we're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Nativecalgarian.com is also up. Today I have a special guest with me. I have a person who has been one of those people that have always looked out in community for me, someone who's always welcomed me into Indigenous community, and someone who has gently guided me along the way since we've crossed paths. Uh, this particular person has decided to take the lead and become the leader of the Green Party. And I'm really honored to introduce Cheryl Chagnon Grey Eyes to you. And I want to say welcome to Cheryl. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing this evening? Boy, I tell you, I'm so stoked for this conversation. I have been wanting to have it since you announced that you were going to do it. But of course, I understand like there's so much media and so much to do that like it took until now in order for us to finally be able to have a conversation. I'm very grateful. Well, I'll just explain a little bit about who I am. Sure. Um, as you said, we've known each other a long, long time, Michelle. We have been uh, singing and drumming and being activists here in Calgary for years. Yeah. And uh, we're all about saving the world. And um, 
Uh, my name is Cheryl Shenyer Grayeyes, and I come from Muskeg Lake Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. Uh, my reserve is in Treaty 6, uh, just halfway between Saskatoon and Prince Albert. But I've been living in Calgary, uh, in Varsity. I moved to Calgary Varsity in 1993. Wow. And I've, I've lived in Calgary since then. And I moved from Edmonton, so I've been an Alberta resident for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Um, it's nice that you have the perspective of another city, too. Yes, and um, I lived like 30 years up in Edmonton. That, that's why I have a lot of friends, relatives. My mom and my brother are up in Edmonton. I have other relatives all across the province and Canada. That's so, great. Us gray eyes, we get around. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. Um, so when did you get approached by the Green Party and, and what made you decide to do this? Well, it's a very interesting story. And uh, my greatest words of caution are be careful what you pray for. Um, I decided that I've been working at the University of Calgary for 13 years. And I decided back in July, I had a meeting with a lovely lady in HR that I was going to retire. I was going to take early retirement at the end of January. Really? January 31st, 2019, I was going to retire. So I made that choice. Wow. And um, then I went to a sweat and I prayed and I said, creator, let me be a conduit of your love, whatever you want to do for me, hoping that, uh, uh, you know, creator might have an idea for me to do something after I retire. And then the following week, I was approached by Susan Stratton. That name may, may sound familiar. She's one of the raging grannies. We've been we've been uh, uh, protesting with her for years too, Michelle. Holy, yeah, no, I'm sitting here with my eyes like cracked wide open because I didn't even know you were thinking about retirement. Oh yeah, and yeah, it was some retirement. Um, <laughs> so she approached me, and she just happens to be Elizabeth May's best friend. Um, and as you know, my daughter and I have sang and performed and been very active with the Green Party here in Calgary for the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And so I've known Elizabeth for over seven years. And we have a very good relationship, um, me as a performer and friend and supporter and, and her as, as a lovely lady. Yeah. Um, so um, Susan called. She said, Cheryl, I want to take you for lunch. I have an ulterior motive. I want to ask you to run for the Green Party. And I said, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. And she said, I'm serious. I want you to run for the Green Party. Oh, all right then. Well, let me do some research and I'll meet you for lunch next week. Mm-hmm. When I was doing my research, I was um, pleasantly surprised by my what I thought was a discovery that the six principles of the Green Party, um, which are, um, uh, let me see here, ecological wisdom, um, nonviolence, uh, participatory democracy, um, uh, respect for diversity, sustainability, and social justice. Very important guidelines to me. Yeah. And they align with the seven sacred teachings of the creed, which are courage, respect, humility, honesty, love, truth, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how come nobody's picked up on this alignment before? This is like a marketing tool, okay? (laughs) Um, Seriously, like for me, it just, and none of the other parties go down this road. Mm -hmm. The Green Party is the only international party on this planet, and they're making inroads all across this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, They lead government in in, uh, New Zealand and influence many other countries. groups across the country, Australia, uh, places in Europe, and here in Canada, they've made inroads. Um, 
well, we've always known BC's kind of lean and green, but um, New Brunswick, the Maritimes, um, have now green people. Even in BC itself, the green wave has extended to uh, Victoria and Vancouver municipal er- uh, areas. Right on. So it, it's really developed. People are, are getting the hang of this that, hey, this is a pretty good party. I like that they espouse. And yeah. I, I, so when she asked me, I said, oh, sure, I'll give it a run. Mm-hmm. I thought even to have Indigenous representation running, I thought was a good thing. You yeah. know, I'm female and I'm di- let's do this. Let's do this. Right so um, I, uh, I said, I agreed and I went through the vetting process and I was up against uh, three fellows, ended up being against um, just Brian DeHere as Matt Levicki uh, dropped out mm. uh, for person. And so it was me and Brian. Um, and we answered five questions over the space of five weeks. Uh, online, it was all done with our membership, and then um, September twenty second was the vote. Um, I went with uh, our dear friend Miriam Meir, another fellow activist who <laughs> is a very, very proud Green Party member. Yeah, and uh, she was my companion on the road down to Red Deer. Um, what I was really pleased about is that we were able to uh, ensure that we had proper representation because it was in Red Deer, Treaty Six land. Uh, so we had an elder from Treaty 6 from Chief open up our um, Green Party of Alberta AGM in in the right way. Uh, wonderful man, Richard Lightning. And uh, I really enjoyed his speech because he starts, he goes, Green Party, eh? Mm. I thought you guys aren't legal till October. <laughs> <laughs> so we started things in a very good way. And it was a very jovial meeting, not your normal AGM that I'm used to is really quite, quite, quite fun. And then um, uh, Brian uh, did his speech, and um, I said, because uh, he just did it off the cuff, 10 minutes, he spoke, he was great. And I said, I have a speech here. I worked 12 hours on it. You guys are going to listen. And I made them listen. <laughs> well, that's good. It was good because it was everything that I wanted to say in the way I wanted to say it. Yeah. Um, and it was a 10 minute speech. And um, and I won by 72% of the vote. Oh. <laughs> I won by 72% of the vote. And wow. um, I thought, I had a, a congratulations, Brian, for the, for the speech ready. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't have a yay me speech. <laughs> that wasn't even in, in my, 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 my train of thought. So um, I was quite incredulous. And uh, CBC, these people are brilliant. They were on site, and they realized that this was something historic. Yeah. And I'm the first Indigenous woman in Canada to lead a recognized political party. And uh, that hadn't even clicked in as an option for yep. me. And they were on site, and I don't know if you saw the, the um, little article that had been done on it. That look of incredulous disbelief was yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I had that, what the heck just happened? Look. <laughs> I, it was a, quite a shock, quite a surprise, and uh, and quite an honor, and quite a responsibility, and a blessing. Oh. Um, I what's the blessing is that um, uh, Michelle, I have no fear. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm I'm uh, creators asking me to put my money where my mouth is, so that's what I got to do. That's amazing. Um, I I know I'm I'm doing the right thing, and. Um, the fact that I don't have any fear is uh, a confirmation mm-hmm. that um, this is the right time and the right space 
and, and the right action um, for, for the Green Party um, and for Alberta. Wow. I, I was, um, I voted NDP in the last election because I really believed in Rachel Notley. Yep. And, um, and I know there are people out there who feel like me that, that she's betrayed us mm-hmm. and let me down. Mm-hmm. She let me down. And I felt very hopeless and helpless when the whole Trans Mountain thing was happening. Or I should say the Trudeau Notley pipeline. Yeah. And, uh, and I did. And so when Susan asked me, I think she tapped into that, that, that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And that's what we need is we need hope. Yep. I agree. Um, there's, there's so much fear, fear mongering, bullying, threatening, pipelines, pipelines, profit, profits, a very limited conversation. And nobody's talking about and asking, well, Albertans, what's important to you? Yep. Um, maybe things like, like a job. Uh, a roof over my head, food on the table. How about health care? Mm-hmm. How about how about care for my my uh, my aging parents? Mm-hmm. How about child care for my children? Mm-hmm. How about education where they don't have forty kids crowded into a room? Preach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's there's. I'm not kidding, and and I'm a union supporter. Yep. Why are we privatizing when it's been proved the only one who be- benefits is the owner? Yeah. We have uh, caregivers who are suffering, giving care without the facilities and at the wage they should be paid. We we have families concerned about their people, their loved ones that are in care. And those poor people in care that are suffering without due to somebody else getting the profit. Mm-hmm. My auntie is in care in a, in a privatized place. And she's always telling me, oh, they ran out of cream. Oh, we didn't get coffee today. I didn't get my decaf. Oh, they couldn't come around. Oh, the laundry's broken on my floor. I can't. There's always something wrong. There's always something wrong. And you wonder, well, why aren't they just throwing it? They should have lots of money to throw at these things and fix them. Yeah. So, and that's, these are just my personal experiences. I know there's many out, people out there who share this, this frustration. And this real sense of we, desperation. We got to do better. Yeah. I, um, you know, I... <sighs> Where do, where do I start? I mean, I never in a million years thought that uh, the PCs would be defeated in the last election. And having the NDP is like the biggest, um, you know, breath of fresh air. And they, they're they doing really good compared to before. But I mean, I've said in politics, if the bar is that low, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and for me personally, as, a, as like a, as an activist, um, at Pride just recently, we had um, Evans, one of our co-founders, go up and speak and do the land acknowledgement and talk yeah. about colonialism and the, the issues with missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, and the effect of racism against Indigenous people on these lands. Mm-hmm. And who followed him immediately after that but Rachel Notley to talk about pipelines at Pride. So as an activist, as, you know, being a part of Voices, we put out a statement, you know, asking her to acknowledge it and to apologize. And like, we we never got anywhere with that. So it was, um, you know, I, I know for me, because of my political leanings, I could go on and on about NDP, but I, it, it was just, it was kind of that really broken moment where, yeah. you know, I just don't, <sighs> you, you can change the color. But ultimately, colonialism is still colonialism, and their parties are still their parties. And um, 
So having, you know, the Green Party, like I've been to quite a few of their events and I've experienced a lot of racism there too. But at least now, I think from the time that I was there to today, holy cow, Cheryl, has there ever been a difference in conversation about, you know, Indigenous understanding, land acknowledgement, and, you know, try to have more Indigenous inclusion, even if you're not good at it, at least trying. Um, So I just think it's such a great time for you to be in this party and now leading them in a time where they're looking for that. Well, and it it is about about offering hope. And uh, let's focus on where we want to be, what we want to do, where we want to go. Yeah. You know, instead of putting all that energy into worrying and criticizing and judging. Um, I, I, I don't believe in criticizing the other parties. They're doing a fine job on them on their own. Mm-hmm. I don't need to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> they are doing a great job of bashing, bashing one another. Mm-hmm. I can just stay up on the curb and watch all the fight and going down in the gutter. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh... And, <laughs> and I've been, that's something that, you know, that I'm really pushing within the Green Party of Alberta is don't give them our airtime. Yep. You know, they're doing a fine job on their own. Let's just focus on what we can offer as Green Party. And we can offer a lot. Yeah. This wild, crazy thing, this is going to drive you. Common sense. <laughs> oh, thoroughly lacking. And balance and moderation. Like, I'm talking wild, crazy things here. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and that's the irony, like, you know, me being in Alberta my entire life and hearing what being conservative and cautious and, you know, thinking things through before making that decision, like, it's just so shocking to me. All of that seems to be lost. And it and I feel like it's been a, quite a huge shift in, um, I'd say, the last 15 years where we've oh, lost yeah. a lot of that. So, you know, it having hope and having leaders that are talking about the future that's what we need because um the only thing i'm hearing right now in alberta politics is uh you know doom <laughs> number 1 doom gloom and threats <laughs> right right and, and and if you don't do this this is going to happen totally um and right now like for me my my daughter's school is under threat for being lost and that's uh 469 kids that are going into you know other schools now because they decided to close the school. And it's not just a loss of uh, a school, it's a loss of community. Mm-hmm. And that bigger picture of, we already are at capacity in the other classes in all the surrounding schools. How are we gonna fit 469 more kids? So, you know, this is weighing on me all the time and I can't quit thinking about it. And I wanna do other things and, and move in a positive direction. But that's just waiting on me. And when I yeah. hear, you know, Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley talk about oil issues that we're having right now, you know, and no conversation about Indigenous or reconciliation anymore, that's not at all what I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really concerned about what the future is looking like. So, like, having you talk about hope in the future is such a breath of fresh air. And I'm super excited that, that you, you know, want to go in this direction. So now that you're in this direction, what is it going to take now in order for us to go from here until the next election? Well, my, I'm not really all that ambitious, per se, but I do have a dream. Mm-hmm. And a vision. I had a vision of three green seats in the next uh, election. Oh. I see three green, green seats in the ledge, and, yeah. and that's what we need um, at minimum, um, just because I see the Green Party, uh, because we have uh, our principal as being the conscience 
that's missing from mm-hmm. the ledge. Mm-hmm. I see us as being Jiminy Cricket, you know? Yeah. I see us as being, being having that little, that big little stick poking that big old dog. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling them on their stuff. They're not being called on their stuff. They're not being held accountable. No. And, and, uh, and, and we need that, that uh, in to be able to hold them accountable. Well, and a big um, dog can step on a thorn like anything else. So good action. Yeah. <laughs> um, figure out who's feeding that dog. Hello, and it's Albertan. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think of all the parties and getting eighty-seven candidates. Is there a strategy that uh, you're using in the, in the Green Party where, you know, you're going to go after a couple of ridings really hard, or how is that going to work? Well, it it's it seems to be happening. Um, uh, very fluidly by itself. Calgary is filling up with with uh, um, green, the green wave, and I'm really happy to see that because it wouldn't surprise me if we have green seats here because it's very progressive. Yeah. And uh, the median age in both Calgary and Edmonton is 35 years old. 35 years. That's young parents with kids, with parents in care, uh, who care about health care and education, having a roof over there. What is their priority? And That's an aging parent probably too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Aging parents and, and healthcare yeah. and education and child. They're, they're in between, you know, they yeah. really are that, that, that group. Um, and uh, what's important. And do you think pipelines are important? What's connected to pipelines is important. The job aspect. Right. But the pipelines themselves, I think I'm not, how do I say this? The Green Party of Alberta is requesting a moratorium on the tar sands. I, however, believe moratorium doesn't mean just dead stop in the water. I think it's a matter of slowing down and cleaning up the mess you made, doing things in the right way. Um, It's also about pipelines are not the only way to move products. Mm. There are new technologies out there, and I'll just share this because I'm I'm a fan. It's called bitumen pellets. They developed the, the technology right at the University of Calgary. These pellets can be made at the wellhead for the same amount of money it costs to put diluent into the bitumen to get it to flow into the pipes. Mm-hmm. Diluent, which, by the way, eats the pipes from the inside, just Ew. so you know. Ew. Pipelines are guaranteed to, to leak. <laughs> so these little teeny-weeny bitumen pellets, about the size of a quarter, yeah. they're non-combustible, and they float. Yeah. Amazing. They can put them into trucks and rail cars. Get that rail cars, Rachel, rail cars. And uh, you know what? And they can put them into tankers. And if there's an accident, they scoop them up like rice on the water. Ugh. Think about that. Right. Mac antique. Think about that. If they had been non-combustible pellets in those tankers. Yeah. So it's just made our product all of a sudden safer yep. to transport both in the province and out. Uh, another thing, why aren't we producing here in Alberta? There's a consortium between um, an indigenous group of companies and Chinese, mm-hmm. and they're developing, they're making uh, an oil processing plant north of Edmonton, which will have four times the output of Fort Saskatchewan. That's jobs, that's product in the province, keeping it local, and that's adding value to the product when we send it out. Yeah, That makes sense to me. Yeah. That's where investment should be. Um, Calgary, why it's the sunniest place in in Canada. Why doesn't everybody have solar panels on their roof? 
Seriously, solar energy is uh, needs more research because it needs to be more affordable yeah. and easily easily accessed and more storable. But I see that very much coming. Yeah. And and can it, Alberta can be a leader because Ontario just shot themselves in the foot by taking away all their subsidies. Yeah, we we could we could take that and run with that girl. We could, that's ours, right? Another thing, I got another idea for you here. Sure, orphan wells, orphan wells. I was talking with um, uh, a certain chief, and uh, who has wells on his property, mm-hmm. and uh, and he said that uh, he's been able to convert a couple of them because they're orphan. Nobody wants them. Nobody's taken responsibility for them, mm-hmm. and he's converted them to hot water. Oh, really? So these orphan wells, because they actually have existing infrastructure, can be converted to geothermal. Holy Much Hannah. easier drilling new wells, drilling new holes. We can make use of what's already in the ground. Really? How come so I haven't heard, heard about this? I, I, got, I got ideas, Hunt. Holy <laughs> And Hannah. there are people who have brilliant ideas out there. Yes, yes. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm not anti-oil. I drive a car. I use plastic, but I, I know we can do things better. I know that we can do it in moderation. I know we can do it in consultation and engagement with Indigenous people yeah. and Indigenous lands. Yeah. And, uh, and we can save Mother Earth in the process. Another thing is that, were you aware that Alberta had the highest level of clear-cutting um, trees in Canada last year? I knew it was bad here, but I didn't realize we were, we were the winner. <laughs> yeah, well, yay, we won that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, dubious prize. Um, why aren't we growing hemp in this province? Right. Three, four, three or four yields a year takes care of no need for forest for pulp. Yep. We'll still need forest, that's true, but they can do better than clear cutting. Agreed. Agreed. They can do better than clear cutting. Well, and now we and, want to expand on the cannabis market, too, now that it's legal. Um, well, it's legal, and, yeah. and people ask me, well, what's your... They should have legalized this, like, 20, 30 years ago. That 20, 30 years wasted. Right. Of research they could have been doing, of people who've ended up in jail on, on for, for having a joint, yeah. a, waste, a waste of um, public uh, money on the courts and the jails and uh, the whole system. It, uh, yeah, get me started. You, I think you did. Yeah, no, right? And and for me personally, like I've, I've talked about, like that little bit of social investment actually has economic uh, benefits that we never discuss. And like, it's just so refreshing to finally have a conversation with somebody who understands the gravity of that. And that by, you know, eliminating these ridiculous laws against weed, like we are going to be saving so much time in you know, and money, right? Right. Seriously, and money. Think about that. Right. Think about the investment capabilities. Gosh, and 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 the ability to you know help our people. Like you know, you're talking about overcrowding in the seniors' lodges and and issues mm-hmm. that that they're facing. Like for me, you know, there's so many conversations to have about our health care about pharma care about alternative care and then of course add your your seniors i just Mm -hmm. i'm so grateful to finally have conversations that don't just talk about pipelines i can't even believe we have to just keep that conversation going and going i think think, you know what i think the whole pipeline thing is basically a red herring 
yeah. that they can just keep flashing here. Look at the red. Look at the red. Don't look at don't look at the man behind the curtain. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Don't look at the real issues in this province. Just look at this. This is what we really need. Yeah, yeah. This is it. And um, yeah, and I, I that's what I want to bring is I want to bring the voice of people. Yeah, about what we really care about, what's well, important to us. You know, and, uh, at the risk of yeah. going full Indigenous, I mean, it's not just an Indigenous issue to talk about the environment and more cost-effective no. ways to save. Like, It's a human issue. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> we need air to breathe, water to drink, and food to eat. Excuse me. <laughs> right, and, and you know, food to hunt, <laughs> especially exactly. up north. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't understand this these conversations sometimes. <laughs> And where people put priorities. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that yeah. page. Oh, What's it? But it really is, it's a matter of asking. And I see for us, as for me and you as an Indigenous people, we, we know that, that the whole voting thing is very um, uh, conflicted. Yeah. Uh, uh, me, I'm, I'm in a very unique position in that um, I'm an honest-to-goodness German Indian. <laughs> in that I was born on a military base in Germany. Yeah. So um, I so that was kind of I had uh, dual citizenship when I came, when I was in Canada, and then I received a threatening letter when I was 18 saying I had to either get my Canadian citizenship or get shipped out. And, uh, I didn't know any German. I I used to watch Hogan's Heroes, but that's about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose my Canadian citizenship. Yeah. So I'm unusual that way. Right. On. And then um, my mother had been disenfranchised. And when Bill C-31 came in, my mother regained her status. Same with mine. Cheryl, you get your status. Well, I got my status. Yeah. So I chose my native status, my Indian status. Cool. I chose that. So for me, they were both very conscious decisions yeah. uh, for my life. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was also in the military. Again, that was something I chose. I was in the military. I was in the Air Force mm-hmm. um, for five years. Got my corporal stripes. I was uh, uh, stationed up in Edmonton and then in Winnipeg. Cool. Loved my loved being in the military because I love to fly and I got to fly a lot. Uh, so again, that's something I chose. So these are decisions I made that have made me who I am. Yep, that's amazing. And, and where I'm coming from. So I, 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 it's good to know that that's yep. where I'm coming from. Yes. No, I think it's important. Um, I know for me, there's been a lot of conflict about uh, colonialism and and veterans, but what's been really wonderful, especially in the last couple of years, since I would say the TRC came out at the end of uh, 2015, since about the 2016 mark, I've been hearing all these wonderful stories about the Indigenous contribution to the Canadian forces. And, you know, just recently was reading about the Cree um, actually being like the code talkers for the First World War. Mm -hmm. And I I just thought, you know, I just wish these stories were out there and loud and proud so that we could showcase that. And then when we had the Olympic bid here, I had uh, I have the TRC books like all of them. So I was going through them and uh, just completely unaware of uh, the sports calls to action when it came to that. But with that, we actually did talk a lot about, you know, the contribution of Indigenous people in the uniform. And, um, you know, the there's more on that. But it, it, it's just, these are conversations that, like, I never even thought to have until recently. So, you know, being able to showcase that you're also a vet, 
and that um you know another indigenous person who is you know given that public service to the country like that's such a good role model for Canada to see but you know more specifically Alberta because you're running in here for Alberta um because for some reason well no you and I know there hasn't been positive uh, media about Indigenous. And I think that your story, especially, like we could probably have a 45-minute documentary alone on your story and some of the things that you've contributed to this, you know, in so many ways. You know, not to mention the inclusion of Indigenous people in the community. Um, I think urban Indigenous people do have our own separate little community that uh, a lot of people are unaware of and I'd love to have more of a spotlight on things like that and you know you being a huge part of that and an activist for this area so I've got to share something with you sure um ABTN did a great article with me I just love them they're wonderful I'm a big fan and um after the ABTN article aired um uh I was emailed somebody says you don't and this email just blew me away this email said, uh, you don't know me. I'm Indigenous. I've never voted before in my life. I just wanted to let you know that I have bought a Green Party of Alberta membership and I'll be voting in the spring for Green. <laughs> and I was going, say what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally out of the blue and just, I was so happy. I was doing a little happy dance. <laughs> right. And and that's the type of thing that we need to have is conversations about like for me in my political affiliation, at the end of the day, there are a lot of Indigenous people who will vote. And to me, I don't think that makes you less Indigenous by any stretch. So there's a whole conversation to have about just voting, but not just voting in, in the case like what you're talking about, the hope that you're bringing. It's it's the real belief system, <laughs> like voting green, voting for an Indigenous leader in Oil Town, Alberta. Like, I mean, that, that's a really big deal. And I think that it does give people hope in the decision that, you know what, maybe it is time to vote for the first time. And if you did nothing else, like you're, one of your pillars of your party is talking about that, you know, inclusion of democracy. Exactly. Participatory democracy. And it's a matter of empowering each and every person out there to know they have a vote. Think of it this way. Each vote is a snowflake. One snowflake doesn't do a heck of a lot. Yeah. But you get enough, and that avalanche can change the political landscape. Yeah. And we saw it here in Alberta with the NDP. Yeah. So we know it can happen. And and for me, I'm just looking for hope. Yep. A little bit of an in the inner, I just want to get my way in there just so we can add truth to the conversation, hope to the conversation. We can add humanity to the conversation, yep. social justice to the conversation, mm-hmm. the indigenous voice. We need to be heard. Yep. Well, I'm going to be singing and drumming as loud as I possibly can to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I can, Michelle. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. And and that's the thing. Like we, um, even for me as community, I mean, I don't care what color you're going to run for. I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you the best way I can because we do need those. Like, in my opinion, you're the accountability that Rachel Notley needs, that all of the parties need. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, if they're governing from the center or maybe even a little more right, like what are the rest of us who think that, you know, there are better ways to do things? Like I come from a party where my leader says better is always possible. Well, 
I need to hear that from leaders. And I'm not yeah. hearing that in Alberta. And I want to hear that. I want to hear people talking about um, not just like we run the economy for Canada. We do. And there's no reason why we can't be improving on that. There's no reason why we can't be making better profits. There's no reason why we can't be, you know, saving up for the future. There's so much that we could do. But like, there's that other party and they like, I don't even know what they stand for. And um, I, I think it's really awful that everybody's like, well, we don't want, you know, the um, one guy who was part of Harper's team that we know has a lot of uh, Islamophobia, uh, racism, yes. anti-Indigenous policies under Harper. So the last thing I want to do is have that guy in. But at the same time, I don't want to hold my breath and say, "Ugh, well, maybe if we all vote enough, we can we can go this way. I want someone to be holding them to account. And I just think that you play such a critical role in that right now. And that makes me happy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, about participatory democracy, one thing I do want to do is get rid of the first-past-the-post system and have proportional representation so that every Albertan has a voice and sends who they want to, yeah. the, to the legislature. Because right now it's pretty fixed for the leading parties. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so that's something I want to go after. I also want people to feel, as I said, empowered and realize they are little snowflakes and they can make that little avalanche. Yeah. And and to know that they can make a difference. Uh, I've had people, well, vote for the Green is a waste vote. No. You can call it a protest vote if you want to, but vote with your heart. Yeah. Vote the way you want to do. Vote for the person that you want to represent you. Yeah. For, for the party that stands closest to your personal beliefs and guidelines. And, and for me, the Green Party, it coincides. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to pretend. I had, I had somebody say, hey, you're a politician. You have to learn how to lie. I go, no, I don't. <laughs> I get to be for the Green Party, nanner, nanner, nanner. Yeah. Because we're about truth. It's about truth. And we're not afraid to say when we do things wrong and we make mistakes. Yep. That happens. Yeah. You don't sit there and put money to, to hide the mistakes. No. Yeah. You go, okay, there's a mistake, move forward. So it's about being truth-filled and truthful mm -hmm. in your actions. I recently and, had a parent say to me basically that I was a politician, and I laughed, and I said, I've never chose to be a politician. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be a politician. It's just that I really felt like I needed to talk about some things I wasn't hearing from the other candidates. And uh, so I, I think, it, you know, there's a real way to have that conversation about somebody calling you a politician. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know I know it's meant as an insult, but the truth is that it's really admirable to stand up and say, look, I really feel strongly on these values. I know it's not just good for me and my family, but it's good for everyone, the entire community. So I think it it's, takes a lot of courage to put your name out there. Um, you know, I've been attacked. You, you've been attacked prior to this as an activist. So it's not like you're, um, you know, green. <laughs> naive. Let's just say I'm not naive. You're not naive. And I have well, the worst sense optimistic, of humor. Yeah, but yeah. not naive. <laughs> no, exactly. But, you you know, you've been there. You've been through the trenches already. And you've heard the attacks. And, you know, it's... Uh, there's a lot of irony in people not understanding what politicians really are. And, you know, 
I, I have a lot of respect for people who run who never ever seen themselves as, you know, running in, in politics and never, you know, not having that degree in poli-sci, you know, that kind of exactly. politician, right? Um, not that there's anything wrong against that. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know, um, I didn't I didn't wake up one day and think I'm totally going to be a politician. <laughs> I, I agree. That wasn't on my radar. That that wasn't in the planning of the department, okay? <laughs> <laughs> in that long-term goal, it's like it just exactly. falls in front of you, and it's like, ah, I don't want to miss I, this opportunity. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really all that I was not, I'm still not really comfortable with the whole term leader. I see myself as a helper. I'm a helper. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm a helper. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting the cats. We're, we're going to get us focused and we're going to make good good choices right and make on. positive difference in the province. Right um, leader seems to kind of smack of a bit of um, hubris and and um, lack of humility. Yeah. But it's also, I have to take that responsibility that I am leading. Yeah. So I am showing the way, which is that part of the leadership I, 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 I love. Right on. I love that. And I can only come from where I'm coming from. And I think that throws people. Yep. Um, because aren't we oxymorons, you and I? <laughs> right. <laughs> Honest politicians? Like, how much crazier can you get? <laughs> With <F-O-M-G. laughs> Yeah, no, no kidding. No, I think, um, so, like, just for some transparency here, I don't know if you know, but uh, when Sam, so, you know, I lay in, in bed at night watching all of my, you know, small videos of what's happened today in politics. And I'd watch one of Elizabeth May and Sam would hear it and she just fell in love with her. So from the time that Sam was little, I always had to take her to Green Party events just so she could get her picture with uh, Elizabeth May. Because, you know, despite my political leaning, obviously if there's a woman who's a leader who inspires her, I'm going to take her to that. So... I should really just sit down with her and ask her, like, hey, did you know that Cheryl is running for the Green Party? And um, I, I don't know. I may not have a choice. I may have to run for you because she might <laughs> kick my butt. <laughs> well, you're going to run in the riding, right, Mom? I can hear her already. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it, it's true. She she would push it for sure. Um, but I know something that really matters to her is, uh, and I think would matter to you, is that she really resents the fact she can't vote. Uh, she oh. hates the fact that it has to be 18. And I would never tell her, you know, if she voted for Green Party from the moment she could vote until the end. Like, I would never tell her it's a wasted vote ever. Um, ever. One of my favorite people in the Green Party, I don't know if I should name him, GN, we all know him. Uh, you know, one of my favorite people, he's always talked about uh, democracy and participate, just participating in a way that matters to you. And... Yeah. um I just, you know, he's always kind of kept that in me. And then in the last federal election, you know, my party was really running on that concept of democratic reform. So I was so stoked about it because, uh, you know, I've always had his teaching and his political guidance and in the activist community as well. So I, um, yeah, I just really have some hope that because we have all of these like right parties in, in Alberta politics right now, like you're such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> well, the media seems to like me money. I think because I'm, I'm a little unusual, they're not used to people like me who talk yeah. like me. Yeah. And, and, it, and I, and all, that's all I can be is my authentic self and talk from my heart. Right and, on. Um, 
and and I agree. I don't think any vote is a wasted vote. And what I want to encourage people who've never voted before, get out there. Exercise your voting right. Yeah. You know, practice your voting chops. There's so many places on this planet where people cannot vote. Yes. This is a privilege. Yes. It, it's also a responsibility. Yes. When you are a citizen of the province, yep. that is your connection to the land. You are responsible for what happens to that land. You know what, it, um, Cheryl, that's the thing about, for us especially, we're not just women, but we're Indigenous. Every yeah. one of those rights had to be fought so hard to participate in this stupid colonial system. So to me, like I, what you said about it's our responsibility, like that resonates deep with me. Very much so it is. It's it's our duty. It's <laughs> our duty. Especially as duty. parents, we got to show our kids and our grandkids. Yeah. And as members of the community, as leaders, like you've got to take responsibility for that vote. Yeah. That is that is your that is gold. Yeah. That is gold. Well and, and that is special and that is precious. You know, whether or not the treaties were um ever intended to be good, at the end of the day our ancestors really signed them with the best intentions. And to me it's like, okay, you know, we gotta try to honor our ancestors' wishes of trying to, you know, live equally with these newcomers. So there's just so many layers of the importance of trying to figure out how to live together. And, you know, participating in this democratic system doesn't change us being Indigenous in any way. And I'm of the ilk. Um, and it's funny because this is kind of where my mom kind of comes from. It's like uh, use your system against them. Yeah. Seriously. A hundred percent. Let's get in there and, <laughs> and show them how it's done. Yeah. Scoot in. Right. You know, I'm ready. I just, I want this. Scoot in. And, uh, People, oh, well, you know, it's a colonial system. Well, use their system against them. Totally. Seriously, use <laughs> Infiltrate it. Infiltrate it. <laughs> use it against the, the inequity. Use it against social justice. Yeah. It's your it's your, your little sword here, your little arrow in your hand. Yeah. And strike it where it needs to be. Yeah. Because those little arrows, you get enough of them, there's going to be a huge gaping hole in this province where people will have empathy and sympathy and care about one another. And where we care about Mother Earth and make a difference, a positive difference, because we cannot drink oil. We cannot eat money. Yeah. We need to think about our kids and seven generations ahead. Yeah. What, what are we leaving them? What are we leaving? We're only boring this planet yeah. from our kids. What are we leaving them? Yeah, 100%. So it, it, there's, exactly. It's a responsibility. Yeah, you can, some people will be other, I'm not going to vote, I've never voted. And you know what? They're entitled to that. Yeah. But seriously, why are you turning your back on an opportunity to effect change that can be positive for your family? Well, and you know, you talk about leadership and you humbly like realize how many people are looking to you. I really do feel, um, whether it's online, in person, whatever, that a lot of non-Indigenous are looking to us for the answers. And you talk so out of the box compared to all of the non-Indigenous leaders. Like, it's, it's such um, a moment in time. Like, politics is all about timing. And you're just coming at that right time at the right place, where I think a lot of non-Indigenous, like, I was listening to CBC this morning, and they had somebody on there to, who just had a baby and was talking about her anxiety about the future for mm -hmm. her baby. You know, like, yeah. it, it's not just us that's ang anxious about the future now. It's the non-Indigenous, too. So I think, unfortunately and, and for you and I, we're stuck in this leadership position of people looking to us, whether or not we want it, 
And we have a choice. Use this opportunity the best we can, you know, mm -hmm. and think about that seven generations. And and uh, and realize that it's it's an honor, it's a privilege, mm -hmm. it's a responsibility, and it takes courage, mm -hmm. courage, to be able to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna open my mouth and, and speak for my people. Yeah. And it takes courage, and uh, and it's not about pride, which is that association with politician. They're all about getting pride and money. Yeah. It's about being that that um, that role model and and helper for people. Even if it's and, unwilling. <laughs> well, well, it's like me and my hugging. You know me and my drive-by hugging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even unwilling participants get hugs. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, no, yeah. So uh, I think we can hope for the best. And for me, that's where I'm coming from. Let's hope yeah. for the best. Right on. Let's aim for the best. Let's focus on what we want, where we want to go. So you if know. I wanted to run for you, like I'm hoping there will be a few people that listen to this and go, man, I like what she's saying. What do they do, Cheryl, uh, if they want to run for the Green Party? Well, right now we have a website that is needing some help. So, But you know what? It's still a good tool. So I would direct them to www.greenpartyofalberta.ca. Hit menu. And they'll see the options there, whether they want to. Uh, first, you'd have to buy a membership. Please buy a membership. We got a bargain. $25 for three years. Woo! Woo! <laughs> and uh, if they wish to donate, if they're interested in volunteering, and if they wish to be a candidate. Yeah. And, I, you know, I just, I really urge people, because I have ran, and I know what it's like, <sighs> sending in those little notes of support mean the world. Um, if you can volunteer, that means the world. There are people in my life that I never met before I ran and that I consider like my deepest, closest friends because they were the ones who stepped up and, and came with me. And uh, so, you know, run, um, volunteer if you can't, but donate if you can and uh, send those positive messages. If you can't donate and you can't volunteer, you know, it's the very least you can do is share her message to others and have people really critically think about what you're seeing out there. Cause like for me personally, there, one of my biggest issues is call to action 57 and 57 is the one that talks about all public servants getting indigenous education, because yes. I believe that is the, the number one gap and the number one cost as well. If we didn't have so many people look at us with such bias Man, we would save so much money as a province alone in that one area. But, you know, one of the reasons why I ran was because of that. So if, if you're out there and you're wondering who to vote for, ask your candidates what they think about reconciliation, Indigenous education, all of those things. Because look what happened with, with Rob Ford. Um, we don't want Indigenous education cut for no apparent reason. I mean, they have MPs now willing to, or what are they calling MPPs there? They don't call them MLAs there. Mm -hmm. But uh, they've had people say, well, I can't be with the Conservative Party over the Franken-Phone cuts. And I mean, yeah, that's totally legitimate. But I was a little upset that nobody was willing to do that over the Indigenous education and the Indigenous cuts as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're serious about reconciliation, ask your politicians what they know and find out where they are on this spectrum of Indigenous education. And very much so, because mm -hmm. it, it, Indigenous education expands to the rest of the education system. Yep. 
And uh, you know that I worked at the university for that length of time. And today was a celebration of uh, a year long. A year ago, we introduced the Indigenous Strategy for the University of Calgary, which is a parallel process, which is a sacred bundle, which is to be opened every year. And it was open today. And it was beautiful ceremony. And that's how you... Uh, bring um, that reconciliation, that truth and reconciliation into institutions like the University of Calgary, who we say colonialist, yeah. um, but you bring in that and what it does, it, en- it enriches everybody, yeah. everybody, all students, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, and in- it, it enriches alumni and the community and, and just expands from there. So it, it, uh, it, 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 there's a richness to, to learning Indigenous cultures, Indigenous ways of knowing and, uh, and sharing these things in a good way. And I think that Indigenous voice has definitely been missing from politics mm-hmm. um, as far as the Indigenous teaching issue. Yeah. Um, I think it's a matter of, again, focusing on what's important, balance and moderation. Yeah. Right now, I'm focusing on getting candidates in the 87 riding. If anybody's out there wants to run for green, Come and talk to me. <laughs> I am on Facebook. Be my friend. Yep. Um, and uh, what's really neat is that um, I would love to have really active participants, like active people. But I'm even looking for paper candidates, people who are willing to just put their name on the ballot yeah. and be happy with that. Because I want people in this province, each and every riding, to have a green option. Right on. That's what I'm looking for. Right on. So I am looking for people out there to be that green option. Um, If you've ever had any interest in running for politics, if you've never been interested in running for politics, talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Or talk to me. Like, we'll we'll tag team, man. I'm all over that. (laughs) (laughs) And yes. I would, I would love for you in a writing. I'm looking at the map of Calgary, you know. <laughs> and Calgary, I think, I, I, I'm not kidding about my vision for the three seats, and I would not be surprised if they came from Calgary, mm-hmm. because Calgary is so progressive. Yeah. And uh, we've come close in a few things, a few areas. And, yeah, I think we can do it here. Yeah. Um, and Alberta is ready. It's, they're ready for change. Yeah. Um, we're suffering very much fear fatigue, I think. In yeah. this province, we've been beat over the head with fear for too long and bullying. Oh, and and yes. we need to lighten up and, and start being human again and, yeah. and stop living in that the fear shell. I agree. Uh, um, yeah. And and love and peace, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. No, I I think there's so much we could do that's positive. And uh no, I'm really grateful that you you were on the show. Is there anything else that you maybe want to get in before we uh, wrap up? I, I really want to thank um, the the people out there who have uh, emailed me and and, and sent uh, messages of support um, because it it feels really really good to be out there and and uh, knowing that I'm helping people and I'm opening up conversation and something as small as hope goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's all I do, then that's the gift right there. Um, um, I'm just going to share a quick story with you. There was uh, when when I was running for the municipal election, it was about a week before the actual vote. And uh, one of the MPs that are here in the city that's uh, red, he uh, called me up and he said, Michelle, I know you feel really alone right now. And, um, you know, everybody will be your best friend, you know, if you win. But 
Um, you don't know, just know that I, I know how isolated you feel right now. And I can't tell you, I will love that man until the end of my days because of that one phone call. And I, I bring it up because I want anyone listening to me right now to hear what Cheryl is going through and know that she'll need her that love and support and your prayers. And if you can let her know, I think that that will, that will help her through all of this as well. Cause it's not fun. It's not easy. And, um, it, don't get me wrong. It has wonderful res rewards in the end. It has, um, you know, this, uh, you meet people and contacts and expand your, your circle and, and people who would normally never listen to you listen for the first time. So it's worth going through, but there are moments, there are low moments. And, uh, if you ever see her getting attacked or anything like that, just be there, retweet her messages, you know, repost her, her messages. If you see good interviews, put it out there. If you see bad ones, call that out, you know, and, and just be kind as you can to Cheryl. And, and especially in those last, you know, week or two, it's tough. So my hat's off to you, Cheryl. I'm really proud of you. And I'm really honored that I, I know you. I'm really honored you would even come on the show to talk about it. And if there's uh, in the future, if there's a topic that you want to talk about, about the election or, or something that comes up and you need a place to just breathe and talk about it, I hope you consider coming back on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there is, there is something. Um, and and if you may want to take this out. I'm not sure. But um, this has been a very hard week for my family. Mm. Um, my uh, cousin, Deanna, she's uh, four years older than me. She, um, we're friends on Facebook, and I was going to connect with her, and we kind of missed each other over the summer. And um, people hadn't heard from her over the weekend. So on Monday, uh, some people on the reserve said, let's do a search and see if we can find her. And within a few hours, they found her body. Um, she died under suspicious circumstances and her car is missing. Um, so it's ironic that I have been marching for missing and murdered women for how long? And now this strikes so close to home. Yeah. And, uh, we used to play together when we were kids. She was a mother, a grandmother, auntie, sister, cousin. Um, I, I haven't cried yet. It's, I think I'm still in shock over yeah. it. And uh, you never know how close this comes to home. Um, I was blessed to to have known her, and and I send my love and my prayers to her family. Um, yeah, I wanted I wanted to share that with you because I didn't know if you were aware of that. But I'm grateful to the the support that I've received from family members as well about this loss. Okay. So right now we're just trying, waiting to find out when their the autopsy is done and um, when they're going to have the funeral arranged. So um, life challenges you all the time. Yeah. No kidding. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm honored that you would, and I'm honored that um, we could, we got a chance to talk about it at all. I actually i uh I had seen her, and we had we had that um kind of private message about her and that you had just talked to her, and I wasn't sure if you'd even want to bring it up frankly um I know it's hard i um was at a talk not that long ago, and we've had this uh pr um trial of echo Don's Baptiste, and uh one of her family members was in the room, so I did talk to her beforehand about even mentioning it because you know. 
these are hard conversations. And I think for non-Indigenous, they don't understand the gravity of missing and murdered Indigenous women and how it affects us right here. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I ran was that we have all of these people that died in my ward and there's no real, don't, nobody's talking about it. And uh, to have you, you know, honor Deanna on, on my show, I'm, I couldn't be more honored. And uh, I'll actually resend the, the link about the information from the Saskatoon Star Phoenix about it because uh, it's important to me. And she was 66 years old. Like you're talking about retirement. You're talking about leading the Green Party. She'll... Exactly, and yeah, it just and that family has been through so much. Um, you may have heard about uh, this another Gray Eyes. It was my. It was her nephew that was shot by police a few no. months ago. No. Yeah. So that family is just. It's been really hard. It's been hard. Oh, well, I'm really honored cool. you share that with us. And yeah, I would. Yeah, we'll bring it up as part of the, uh, you know, when you put out a podcast, I'm just learning all these things, you know, you have, what you, you title it and what you put as content and number one thing oh, we'll yeah, put on there. Say that and put it where you need to. Yeah. Okay. It's just so ironic that I'm learning this when the MMIW is here in Calgary. It's just so freaky. Yeah, I hear you. I've uh, been watching the inquiry online since it started and it being here right now has been really hard. I, uh, I want to go, but I think that, uh, the conversation about violence against indigenous women has really been hard and triggering for me recently. And I just hate that your family's going through this. And I, um, you know, if I, there's anything we can do, we'd do it in a second, especially my family to yours. And, just, just uh, keep, keep their family in your prayers. Yeah, for sure. Thank oh, you. Appreciate that. We Very will. Good. We will. We'll do a smudge. <sighs> so I guess with that, I, um, I, you know, and what a great time for you to bring it up because here I was trying to encourage people to support you. And like, this is that intersectionality that I think Indigenous understand about what support looks like that maybe um, non-Indigenous might not understand, but the importance of you being in this leadership role and, and giving a spotlight to some of this. I, I went to a, a school not that long ago, a university, and talked about missing and murdered Indigenous women and was really shocked to find out nobody in the room had heard about that issue before. And really? I, right? Oh, Jesus, we live it. My God. <gasps> right? Like, because so for those who do not know, um, Cheryl and I were both on the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Calgary Committee and, uh, you know, been... I've been for years. Yeah, and helping in any way we can talk about this issue and to come into a room full of non-Indigenous people and have nobody know what this was. I, I had to teach them that hashtag MMIW. Um, and I, like, it's hard because to me, it's, I live and breathe this, you're living and breathing this, and I... I'm shocked that we still need to talk about this and give that education, but at the same time, that's why it's so important that you run, because so many people are completely unaware of these issues that are directly in their backyard. Yeah, and and, and it's not just women; it's it's Indigenous people. We we seem to be at the bottom of the list when it comes to human life value. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and the way to fight fight fear is with love, and yeah. so I'm armed and deadly. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I should help you put that on your uh, campaign lid because I'd proudly go <laughs> knock with that. <laughs> well, we're supposed to be nonviolence. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Oh, Cheryl, thanks again for coming on the show and, and talking with us. Well, I'll give you a private message to the link right away as soon as it's up. And um, yeah, we'll put it out there. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much for asking me. And I just I just love you, Michelle. And I love you hugs too, to Cheryl. you and your, your family and your listeners out there. I'll tell you, you know me. I, I just give hugs like me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out, Cheryl. I'm so honored and proud to be your, um, in, in your world at all. It's amazing. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm looking at Calgary. There's a hole where you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I better uh, I better keep this away from Sam. I don't think that'll last long. <laughs> okay, I'm working on Sammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, okay. Love you, Cheryl. Thank you so much, Michelle. You take care. You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Wasn't it awesome listening to Cheryl Chagnon Gray Eyes? Um, I'm really honored that she would be on the show. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Walter McDonald White Bear. He's doing Native tra- Awareness Training that's open to the public on Wednesday from 9 until 4. So sign up if you're interested in that. Um, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing trauma in reports, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor their words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, and sexism, they literally have no business in running. Uh, These should be understood by all parties and or local politicians, community organizations, etc. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, and usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. Typical microaggressions people who are dealing with internalized racism and become gatekeepers and that survive off the status quo, people who are really in their trauma and deplete a lot of resources or stop people from doing good work. You know, internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. It's sad I needed a podcast for that boundary to be heard, but here we are. My hope is that my family and my daughter will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that we all understand. Um, And I 
I do that land acknowledgement at the start of every single podcast because I truly honor the land that I'm on. I honor being a visitor to the Blackfoot. And I want to give a shout out to Harlan Pruden, who said, it's like coming into somebody's house and then just taking over and never acknowledging that somebody was hosting you. So there's a, a great amount of gravity that I give the idea of acknowledging the land. But it's also a bigger picture of making uh, inclusive spaces for Indigenous people and letting Indigenous people know that they're welcome to be their authentic selves in this community. Um, I want to create uh, safer places for all marginalized groups of people, whether you're Indigenous, a person of colour, or LGBTQ2+, so that everybody feels you know, honored and valued. Um, ableism is a serious issue. So if you don't have space for somebody who needs um, access, you know, we're not being inclusive. So anyway, a way that you can do that is by, you know, doing something. Having good intentions is not enough. You know, take action to make change. Speak out against racism and ableism. Ask questions to those with more understanding. Find allies and create a support system for yourself that you can help advocate for culturally safe uh, spaces. Take responsibility for your learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people always. There's so many resources out there. Uh, Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt the stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And I'd like to say thank you to here to help bc.ca visions Indigenous People Volume 11, what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it for um, putting that together. Uh, Internalized racism or lateral violence is a situation where you turn on each other. And uh, that happens because of structural racism. And if you want to Google, there's racialequitytools.org, what is internalized racism, and lots of information out there about internalized racism or lateral violence is what people call it. Um, My biggest advice is forgive. Block if you need to. Like, you know, you don't have to put up with abuse. You can have positive boundaries with certain people. But uh, at the end of the day, know that their anger and their hate and their meanness is coming from the structural racism. So uh, do's and don'ts for bystander information by the American Friends of Service Committee. They have a, a worksheet of what to do in cases of, you know, racism, harassment, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, um, and how to intervene with tips so that everybody's safe. So do make your presence as a witness known. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want your support. Move closer to the person being harassed. If possible, you can do so, uh, create a distance and a barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. So if it's safe to do so, the person being harassed consents. You can film or record the incident. Um, I'm just going to say point blank that I was at a meeting recently and there was a person who just would not you know stop and really check his biases and just kept attacking attacking and we were in a circle of people where I've given these guidelines and nobody spoke up 
you know, take cues from the individual being harassed. Is the person engaging with the harasser or not? You know, make, can you make suggestions like, hey, do you want me to walk over here? Do you want to move to another train car? Do you want him to leave you alone and follow their lead? Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. You know, don't tone police the person being harassed by saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't be so angry or can you lower your voice? Don't do that. Uh, follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over. See if there's a, if they need anything else. You know, feel free to give them your contact information in case they change their mind and decide to file a harassment or complaint. Most importantly, do um, whatever it takes to keep yourself safe. You know, assess your surroundings. Are there others nearby that you can pull in to support? Working as a team is a good, um, uh, if possible. And can you and the other person move to a safer space? Don't call the police unless they ask you to. For many people experiencing harassment right now, Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, Indigenous, and immigrant, the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. So don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker. And don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous to, or afraid to speak out, just move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support with your body. If you're experiencing emotional distress or want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I recently seen a tweet on Twitter that said that person, that the person tweeting had called it and it was actually really great. So I was really happy to see that tweet because I just kind of validated giving out this information. Um, I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and her roots teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian because it's through her that I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to thank my husband Darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better, stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you again to my previous donors for already showing your support to our show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up.